Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nation, Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with Camaro Dave and Commander Chris. Coming to you from our Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in, I won't say downtown Portland anymore, because I don't have the studio down there anymore. We're on the south side of the city where there's uh, no treachery going on. Uh, this portion of, of uh, Barbecue Nation is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, the beef, uh, our beef grown the way um, nature intended. And also, we're going to be talking a little bit about AmazingRibs.com today, so I'll throw those in kind of gratuitously, if you will. Uh, we're talking to, with today with John Bowlesby, uh, Spinnaker, and we're going to find out uh, how he got that handle just very shortly. In our tunes today, we went way back in the record machine and got um, the Dave Clark Five. So I'm sure John probably wasn't even born then, and I was like one. So anyway, um, John, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So um, on Amazing Ribs, you are known as Spinnaker. Okay. Spill the beans, no pun intended, on uh, how you got that handle. Um, it was, I'm a pretty big um, Tom Clancy fan, actually. This is kind of a interesting story. But, sure. Um, that's a, he's kind of a reoccurring character in some of the, uh, some of the, Tom Clancy novels, and um, I just I kind of wanted a name that was associated with um, kind of online stuff and everything like that, and that's kind of what this character is in these novels. And when I first started at Amazing Ribs, I was like, "Oh, this will be kind of a cool handle." And then um, you know, I didn't really think of anything being barbecue related. And then as I got more and more involved in the site. Um, you know, I was like, ah, should I change the name to make something more barbecue oriented? And then I kind of got to the point where I was like, well, if I change it, then people are going to realize who I am and all that kind of stuff. And so I just kind of like stuck with it. And so it's, it's not really uh, related to barbecue anyway. And I frequently get um, sailing questions because I know it's a it's a sail um, like on sailing boats. And right. Stuff. And, now I'm in Minnesota, which is pretty much geographically as far away from an ocean as you can get. So <laughs> not a, uh, I'm not a sailor or anything like that. So, but it's just, uh, it's just something from, from these novels and, um, there's really no barbecue connection to it or anything like that, but I just got so far into the weeds that I was like, you know what, just it's not worth changing. People know who I am. So. Yeah. Just go with it. Just go. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're up there in the Edmund Fitzgerald comp, uh, country. Uh, yeah, on the yeah, lake yeah yeah, yeah. i'm uh, right now i'm right on uh, lake superior and it's a beautiful day today up here and colors are changing and it's, uh, it's a great spot to be are you doing a little fishing or what are you doing um yeah we're doing um went out fishing this uh early this morning and then uh, i think this afternoon we're gonna get out and do some uh do some grouse hunting oh so excellent 
yeah, it should be a it should be a great day for it. Tis the season. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. I kind of miss that. Um, I know yeah. we're not talking about barbecue, folks, but you're just going to have to bear with us. But I used to do a lot of hunting. Uh, my brother was a much bigger fisherman than I was, but I would go fish once in a while. But I was a big hunter, and so this time of year, you know, I was we were always hunting antelope, uh, which was a little earlier, uh, mm-hmm. late late part of summer, and then regular deer season would be about right now. And then we would have some of the after seasons and then we would have elk uh, after that going into November. So um, every once in a while I walk by in my shop where I've got a pile of my old uh, couple of tubs and some chests and stuff with all my old hunting gear in it. And I think, man, I should go out and do that again. (laughs) Yeah. So how did you get hooked up with amazing ribs? Um, I got started, um, pretty close to, um, when the, when the forum went on, went live. So the original website had been up for quite a long time. And, um, you know, being that I was always so into barbecue ever since I was a little kid, you know, I really loved live fire cooking and all this stuff. Right. I always just kind of felt like something was, something was missing and it was just, you know, every cookbook that I found out there was so, you know, it was kind of all over the place. You know, one, one book could tell you this, one book could tell you that. And a lot of it was, I kind of found was a lot of wives tales and myths and stuff like that. And then I didn't know, you know, which, what was right and what was wrong. I just couldn't get a consistent product. And so, um, you know, I began going online and trying to find recipes and then I found amazing ribs and what really, um, drew me to it or kept me coming back was, you know, it's based on the science of cooking, which is now is, you know, it's very prevalent with, um, especially with, you know, books like the food lab and stuff like that, where, you know, it's not just about, you know, here's a recipe, you know, this is why, you know, this is why the food cooks like this. This is why you use this or temperature, different types of cookers, stuff like that. And so I found that, um, you know, using a few of um, meatheads recipes and techniques, techniques and stuff that I got a really good foundation and I felt like I could pretty much cook barbecue on anything. Sure. And, um, so I, you know, I kept coming back to the site, back to the site and, you know, and then I kind of felt an obligation to support it because, you know, they were doing so much for me and stuff like that. So, um, and then I got roped into, um, the forum and kind of getting on there and talking with people and, you know, one thing about our forum is it's just a, it's just a great group of people and, you know, people are for the most part, very low key. And it's more just about discussion around food and techniques and stuff like that, which is, which is what I want. You know, and there's so many other forums out there that are talking about so many other things, whether it be politics or religion. Oh, or yeah. or that. And, you know, that stuff just kind of muddies the water. And um, so I found you know, I found this, um, great online community and, you know, it really, really helped improve my cooking and my understanding of how everything works. And, you know, and then one day Meathead just kind of shot me an email and was like, Hey, would you like to, you know, start, um, you know, helping us out on the site with moderating, you know, and answering some online questions on our, on the free side of the website and stuff like that. And, so ever I've been doing that since 2016, and so ever since then, it's uh, 
yeah, it's just been a, it's been a really great experience. And I, I, you know, I really found that teaching other people stuff about cooking too has taught me more about it than anything. You know, I, I continue to learn all the time and it's, yeah, it's, it's been great. I just, I really like it. I love the people I'm working with. And again, the people on our forum are just, you know, it's a great collection of people. So Yeah, it, it really is. And, and one thing, one of the successes of Amazing Ribs is that, and I guess I can say we, because I'm part of it uh, in a kind of an ancillary sense, but there's no politics. Um, yeah. If you go off the rails, you're probably going to get deleted. And if you do it too much, you'll probably get booted. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's there, we're there to t- do one thing and that's talk about cooking and food and barbecue and, you know, all the good things. And you, like you said, I've found that I learn a lot. Um, not always, it's not always what not to do. It's what to do. Um, and then you get other people's take on it a little, you know, their, their perspective. Right. And I think it's been, um, that's been really good because uh, when I sat in on the one fireside chat or whatever we are calling them, um, mm-hmm. you know, and they, there was a whole group of us in there, <coughs> excuse me. And you could hear people's explanations of what they were doing. And the questions that we answered were, they weren't raw basic, but they were basic enough that then they'd say, well, what about this? Or what about this? Or I read this somewhere like that. and. I think it was a, a really good resource for people, a huge resource for people. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think one of the main things that we really try to do is, you know, make it a, an open and welcoming environment where, um, you know, you have some other sites that, you know, if, if you come in with a question that, you know, some would perceive as elementary, it's, you know, sometimes you'd get answers like, you know, how do you not know this? Like you have no idea how to cook. We're like, you know, our thing is we just want more people to get into the world of barbecuing. Sure. You know, and we realize that not everyone is, not everyone's been doing it their whole life. Some people, you know, they inherited a charcoal grill from their grandpa's house, you know, or something like that. You right. Know, and they're like, okay, I've got this grill now and I need to figure out how to do it. And though, I mean, those are the people that I personally like working with the most because, you know, we were all there at one time. You know, and yeah, you know, if you can, if you can, if you can help someone, you know, find out how awesome it is to do barbecue and how like, you know, relatively easy it can be, um, you know, that's, it's really rewarding. It's, it's, it's really cool. You know, it doesn't always have to be, you know, cooking a whole hog on a, on a huge pit and right on a fire. And, you know, especially now, I mean, there's so many ways you can do, you can make barbecue and make good barbecue. Yeah. You know? Well, and I like it too, John, that, that, um, there's no wrong answers. There's answers and discussions that might need a little bit of correction, Right. but most, most of the questions and the convo back between people, the moderators and people asking questions and stuff, even if it's very elementary, like you were talking about just moments ago, or if Mm -hmm. it's kind of higher level, um, it's all welcome. It's all good. Um, and you will, and you will get some answers out of there. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, I mean, and that's the thing is like, you know, you have, you know, you have some people that really have no experience at all and, you know, you don't want to have them come in and, you know, talk to people that are, you know, 
way more advanced, but won't give them the time of day to try to help them along and try to give them, you know, try to share their knowledge a little bit, you know? Sure. Yeah. You know, that just, that just turns people away. And that's obviously certainly not what we want. Right. So we're going to take a break here on barbecue nation. We're going to be back with, uh, John Bowlesby, I E A K A, whatever those, uh, letters are, Spinnaker <laughs> from, uh, amazingribs.com. And we'll be back in just a minute. Please stay with us. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the Sun Radio Network. Um would like to give you a couple of little bits of news here or information. Our website, very simple, is barbecuenationjt.com, barbecuenationjt.com. If you want to email us, you can do it from that website. Or if you want to get to me kind of more directly, it's info at thecowboycook.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook, Twitter, 17 podcast uh, platforms when uh, the show's done airing on the uh, radio network. And um, so we got all kinds of stuff. Also, I'd like to thank the folks, uh, Kel Phelps and, and his crew down there at uh, National Barbecue News. Been working with them. We're doing some giveaways with them. So pay attention. I'll be uh, posting a, when this show airs, I'll be posting a question that will be worth um, a couple of free subscriptions to National Barbecue News. Anyway, we're talking with John Bowlesby, i.e. Spinnaker from Amazing Ribs. You're big into cast iron. And mm-hmm. and uh, was that something that kind of was also ingrained in you as growing up doing the camping and hunting and fishing and stuff? Or was that something that came a little later? Um, yeah, I mean, I used to um, I mean, my uh, my uncle's got a farm um, just outside of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And so, um, you know, we used to do a lot of, uh, you know, hog cooks and stuff like that down there. And. Um, you know, my grandma would always be there and she was always cooking with, cooking with cast iron. And that's kind of how I originally, um, got into using it. And then of course, um, you know, doing a lot of camping and fishing and stuff, you know, cast iron was always, always around. Um, and I, I mean, I really just love live fire cooking and there's nothing better to cook with right. um, with live fire than cast iron. And so, um, you know, I'd always, I always kind of had my pan when I was a kid and that was kind of what I would make my breakfast on and do that kind of stuff at, at home. And, um, and then as I got a little older, um, I actually got into, um, kind of going into some old farmhouses and estate sales around my uncle's farm. And I would find, you know, these really old cast iron vintage pieces and, um, then I kind of got into restoring those and then ultimately collecting and stuff like that. And so now I've got, I mean, probably close, close to 200 <laughs> riddles and all kinds, all kinds of stuff that have been restored. And so, um, you know, and I have a, I have a very, um, strong interest in history and stuff like that. And so, sure. um, I kind of, I kind of found that I could tie, you know, my interest in history with, cooking and stuff like that and 
you know, using a, using a pan that was originally cast in the 1920s or 30s that's kind of been resurrected and, you know, you can cook with it again is, is something that's pretty cool. And it just kind of adds, adds a little bit more, uh, more fun to, to the cook and stuff like that. So, so here's, but, a, uh, here. I, I still, I mean, I have a couple of, I have a couple of steel pans, um, at home, but for the most part, the only thing I used to cook on is cast iron. So, sure. Um, um yeah. So John, here's a question for you. And I know that if you go on the internet, you can find a bazillion different answers, literally. Mm-hmm. But if somebody goes to an estate sale and they find, um, you know, a 12 inch pan or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. And you talk about restoring them. What's the best way to clean off the rust and the dirt and reseason the pan? Because we're going to, you're now officially the barbecue nation cast iron expert. Okay. <laughs> so what's the best way? I know how we do it. That works fine for us. It's probably very similar, if not exactly the same way you do it. But I get asked that question a lot, right. truly, during the year. And sometimes when you, you know, it takes a little work, not too much and that. But I want to I hear your take on that, please. Yeah, so, um, I mean, it, it, it depends on the condition of the pan. You know, if, if you have some that have been sitting for a really long time and there's a lot of really heavy rust on them, um, the I mean the best way um, to do it is through a electrolysis bath, mm-hmm. um, which kind of sounds daunting, I know, but it's really it's really pretty simple. So you can take you know I, I usually use a like a 25 gallon um, plastic trash can, and I'll fill that with water, and then you use um, like 20 meal team detergent. Right. Sodium, sodium carbonate. And um, you do about uh, one cup per gallon uh, is the ratio. And then you mix that up. Um, and then you hang the pan down in the water and you use a uh, like a manual battery charger. Mm-hmm. And you actually co- you hook, hook the positive end to the pan and then you can put um, an anode in the water. So that would be a piece of like sheet metal. So you could use you know, go to your local hardware store and just get a, a small piece of steel or you can reuse rebar or something like that and um, plug the charger in and it'll actually, I mean, it it pulls the rust right off the pan. So you can have the rust, the old seasoning, anything else that's on the pan and it will it'll pull it all off. Um, typically, I leave them in for about 24 hours and it's amazing what you can what you can do. I mean, you can take a pan that you thought there would be no chance that it would ever come back. Um, but I mean, you really, that's, that's if you have a pan that's really, really rusted up. Sure. But, uh, I mean, other than that, like if you have one that's not quite as bad, just heavy duty oven cleaner with, um, you know, you got to make, check the label and make sure it's got caustic in it. Um, so that it'll eat through, you know, any of the proteins that are on there. And, right. Um, take care of the rust and then I just spray those and then put them in like a a plastic trash bag um, and just let them sit for a few days and then rinse and most of the time that's pretty much all you need um, and then as far as like actually the restoration part of reseasoning um, you know I'll, I'll run the pans that are cold water um, use a 
like a, a scotch pad and just scrub and try to get them as clean as possible. Um, try to get all the residue off. And then I, towards the end, you want to use cold water because if you're using hot water and you're drying the pan, you're going to get flash rust on, yeah. the, on the pan. Um, and then as far as like adding the oil, I like to use flax oil um, just because it's high, you know, it's high in omega threes, which is um, which is really good for creating that that base seasoning layer. We're going to take another break here on Barbecue Nation. We're going to be back with uh, John Bowlesby, I.E. Spinnaker from Amazing Ribs. Uh, stay with us. We've got more great stuff coming your way. If you're enjoying GT and his show, come check out my podcast, Around the House with Eric G, where we talk home improvement and design right here where you catch this podcast. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com. Here they come again. Catch us if you can. Hey, welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT. We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef uh, and also the folks at uh, Gunter Wilhelm Knives. Painted, Painted Hills, of course, is... Uh, Great beef that you can be confident in serving your friends and family and uh, consistency in their flavor and texture and everything. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. And also, like I said, Gunter Wilhelm back there. I was fortunate a few months ago to get some Gunter Wilhelm knives, and I love them. So you can check them out at GunterWilhelm.com. We've got John Bowlesby with us from AmazingRibs.com. Right now, John's taking a break from his hard day of fishing and hunting up on Lake Superior um, to talk with us. And I'm grateful for that. I, you know, we, we were um, talking about um, cast iron and, and kind of cleaning and seasoning and, and that what happens. Um, Cause I've seen this happen personally mm-hmm. and I will not take responsibility for it because somebody else was trying to help me. But when they, <laughs> but when you get too much oil on the pan and like you said before, it gets sticky. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just go wash that off and kind of put a light coating back on and rebake it? Or what are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, it, well, first I will say that if, if the pan gets sticky, there's two things. It's either you have too much oil or not enough heat. So if you have a pan, you know, if you're taking a pan out after, you know, you're doing a round of seasoning and the pan is, you know, that's sticky. Yeah. You, you can really, you know, up your oven temperature and let it bake for longer and that'll it'll bake that stuff out okay um it's gonna take it's just gonna take longer um but if you know if if you don't want to go that route you can um put it back into you know put it back into your sink use a pretty coarse pad and i'll use a lot of times i'll use um really really coarse um kosher salt and put it in there and scrub the pan and mm-hmm. then you can give it a rinse and that should take most of it off. But if, I mean, if you're, if you're to a point where there's a lot where it's really, really sticky, um, I will put it out on my, I'll put it out on my grill and crank the grill up and just bake the stickiness right off. There you go. Um, maybe not a great thing to do in the house cause it can get a little smoky, um, but, <laughs> a little, which is why, it, which is why it's perfect to do outside. Sure. But, you know, pe- people run into that sometimes and, the main cause is you're just using um, too little heat or too much oil. There you go. Um, yeah. The other thing, too, uh, I wanted to ask you was, 
um, there's a big push today on, you know, Dutch ovens. But if you go to one of your kitchen stores, they're not the Dutch ovens that you and I think about, which are cast right. iron. Okay. These are enamel coated uh, Martha Stewart, Rachel Ray specials uh, right. like that. So what's the difference in care? And then also what's the difference in cooking with those? Um, as far as care, I mean, the main advantage of having, having like an enamel coated or porcelain coated cast iron is the cleanup. Like they don't, they, I mean, they claim that they don't stick as much. So they're technically easier to clean, but if your cast iron is nonstick, like you're using it correctly, um, that's not really an issue. That shouldn't sure. really be an issue, but, um, but it, as far as, um cooking differences i mean the, the one disadvantage i find with enamel coated cast iron is you're not a supposed you're not supposed to use it over open fire or on the grill um, especially on a grill because of the chips you know once that chip happens it's just you know it's just like any paint job it's yeah. just going to keep hitting and keep keep cracking and stuff like that and so um but i mean the, the main selling point behind those other than their i mean they're beautiful pieces of cookware um is they're supposed to be easier to clean, but, um, as far as I'm concerned, I find them to be a little bit limited in the fact that, you know, you can't use them. You're not supposed to use them over by a fire or on the grill. Um, I know people do. And I mean, I've got, you know, I've got some Lake Crusade, you know, enamel coated sure. or pork coated, um, Dutch ovens and they're awesome. I mean, they're great, but I, I primarily use them in my oven and stuff like that. Right. Uh, but, you know, as a live fire cook, I try to stay away from them just because, you know, that's not, they're not really meant for the out, for the outdoors, but for, you know, if we're in the kitchen and stuff, they're great. You know, it's, they're, it's, they're nice. It's kind of funny when I started cooking on TV and they, they said, oh, are you going to do all Dutch oven cooking? <clears throat> I said, no. Mm -hmm. They said, why not? I said, because I don't know of anybody that can build a campfire in their apartment in Manhattan, right. you know? Right. Um, yeah. so, so it doesn't work out very well. Um, and they kind of looked at me like I was goofy, which I am yeah. at times, <laughs> excuse <laughs> me. But, um, I think, you know, people got to understand the difference there yeah. because that a lot of people, when they envision that they envision Julia child making her, you know, beef bouillon and all that. Well, yeah. You can do that too in the in cast iron over a fire. It's a little, little tougher. I mean, it's you got to pay yeah. attention a little more. But, I would argue more fun, but yeah, yeah, it is more fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you can do that. I know this that when we used to go packing on the horses and stuff when I was a kid, and it was a very long day, you know, um, mm -hmm. and you got there, and especially if the weather had turned, which it did more than once in my little packing career, that it all of a sudden it was pouring down rain or mm -hmm. sleet. There was nothing like a cast iron skillet with some fried potatoes and onions in it when you got oh, there. Yeah. just really warmed you up and got you going. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Some good quality animal fat in there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So when, when, when you say you cook over light fire, what, what, if you will, style do you like? Do you like stick wood? Do you like charcoal? Um, 
you being yeah, I, mean, a, I, I, I like I like any variation. I mean, I do a lot. I do a lot on my tomatoes. So yeah, um, I use a lot of charcoal. Um, and but I also have um, you know, I have a I have a stick burning smoker, so I use logs and stuff for that. Um, which I really love. I mean, if if I'm trying to, if time is not an issue, you know, I've got a, I've got a Saturday blocked off where I just kind of want to sit back, relax at home. Like I just love firing that thing up. And, um, I really like cooking, cooking with that. Um, but I also love like, you know, campfire cooking. Um, you know, I do a lot of backpacking and stuff in, um, in Montana and Northern Minnesota and stuff. And, you know, I just love, I love being the camp cook and cooking over, cooking over live fire, whether it be with cast iron or, um, you know, typically if I'm backpacking, um, you know, I'm using like a carbon steel pan or something like that. Sure. Because it's a shed a little bit of weight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's important. Uh, but, but I mean, between cast iron and carbon steel, they're, they're fairly similar. You just, you know, carbon steel, the pan gets hotter quicker. So you just have to kind of be careful there, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like all kinds of open fire cooking. Um, you know, it's, I, I mean, I actually started the first smoker I ever had was actually an electric smoker and, um, I didn't last long. I just didn't right. find it to be very fun. You know, I was just like, this is just not, you know, I, I w- it was an economy or an, e, uh, an economic decision to buy that one. And, um, you know, it just, it didn't have the same, the same lure to me as being able to kind of play around with the fire and stuff like that. Oh yeah. I've got a, and sorry folks, you're listening because you've heard me say this dozens of times, but I've, I've still got a, uh, offset stick smoker that I bought for 150 bucks back in the early nineties. I've still mm-hmm. got it still works. It's not really photogenic anymore you might say but it still works and i and i smoked some fish and stuff on it still Mm -hmm. and and it works uh really good so are you a do you like to do the caveman style stuff yeah 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 Yeah. i mean i'll I'll just i mean you got to use you got to use lump to do it um you know just because you know kingsford albeit it's a a great you know kingsford's a great charcoal but there's binders so there's a lot of there's a lot of ash. So you want to use a good, um, a good clean lump. And, um, you know, what I like to do is I'll cook it. I'll, you know, get the lump fired up really hot or like that. And then in my tomatoes, I have a, I have a basket that holds the charcoal and, um, you know, I'll put my grill gloves on and give that basket a shake just to get any excess ash that's on those coals. Yeah. Uh, not through. And then I'll just throw the steak right on, and it's uh, it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of uh, I mean, it, and it's a fun discussion piece with people that are over because they're like, I can't believe you're doing that. And I'm like, just just wait, wait to try it because it's awesome. You know, <laughs> I figured out I I figured out John why I I have um uh a semi aversion to that and that makes no sense but i finally figured it out a couple of days ago when i thought about it doing this i mean really i have no problem with it i'm just not a big fan of it because it brings back childhood memories uh Uh, (laughs) like my s'mores falling into the fire and you can't fish one of those out and eat it no that's you're done on that deal Right, right you know and we used to catch crawdads in the creek and we'd and we'd um, 
get a pot of water and yeah. and you know get them boiling and put some pickling seasoning in them or whatever you wanted and and do that and a couple of times the little um grate that we had collapsed and all my crawdads you know died in vain you might say right. <laughs> so right. i think maybe that's it maybe i have to get a little therapy to overcome that you know right. <laughs> <clears throat> i don't i don't know for sure but um uh, and I will say this, I have seen people do that uh -huh. and they have not taken the care that you just described as far as shaking out the excess ash and stuff and then doing it that way. They just kind of throw it in there. And, yeah. and you know, it, it, that's important to do. We're going to take another break. We're going to be back uh, with um, John Bowlesby Spinnaker from Amazing Ribs and uh, talk some more about his cooking styles and techniques right after this on Barbecue Nation. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey, welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT. We're talking with John Bowlesby today, Spinnaker from AmazingRibs.com. Um, a couple of things. John, what's the kind of either the weirdest or the hardest question that you think you've had to deal with on Amazing Ribs? I kind of caught you off guard on that one. I'm sorry, but. Oh, man. Um, oh, geez. Uh, I would say the. One of the weirder ones that we've had um, was a guy from, this was, man, I don't know how many years ago now, probably five years ago, maybe. A guy was asking about smoking moose ribs. Okay. And, I mean, I, obviously I had never, <laughs> I never thought about that, but the main, the main thing was how gigantic the rack was. Like right. He hadn't, it didn't appear that he had like even really cut him down that much. And I would say that the, I was just like, I don't even, I don't even know where to start on this one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I would say that that would be like the, the oddest thing that I've had someone ask, um, how to smoke. And I honestly, I would imagine it would, that would be fairly straightforward, but, um, but I would say most of the, the most, some of the more difficult questions revolve around curing meats. Sure. Um, it's because you have to, I mean, you have to make sure that your calculations are correct and stuff like that. And, you know, everyone has different variables. So, you know, some stuff, some people are curing stuff bone in, or they're using a different size container, um, or they're using, um, you know, different ingredients. They want to add stuff or take stuff out or stuff like that. And so, and with something that needs to be very exact in order to be safe, um, I find that those are usually the most challenging um, stuff with curing, but we have a couple of really good resources on our website um, that ex thoroughly explains curing. Um, we have a calculator on there that you can put in, you know, your liquid measurements, the weight of the meat you're cooking, the thickness, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It'll give you a complete readout of the exact um, 
amounts of nitrates you need to put in there and stuff like that to make sure that you're being safe. So we we try to make it as easy as we can for people, but you know, it's one of those things where we want people to, to be safe and do it correctly. And, um, so I, I mean, it's not that it's that challenging, but it's, you know, it's something that you want to make sure you get right. So, um, you know, but I was going to tell you, I, I smoked, um, a number of times deer ribs, uh, And uh, they were okay. You just got to remember when you're doing that, at least from my perspective, is there's not a lot of fat in right. in venison, you know? Yeah. So yeah. they they can, yeah, they can turn into bone-in jerky really quick. Yeah. Yeah. And this, uh, this gentleman that wrote into our site, too, had a, had a, had the picture of the rack of ribs, uh, of the moose ribs that he was, that he was uh, smoking. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was comical just, just to look at them, you know? And I'm just like, I, I, I think your main issue is going to be finding something big enough to cook those in. <laughs> Absolutely. But I was going to say, I don't know if you saw this, but a few months ago, the picture was making the rounds on different social media platforms. And, uh, there was a guy and he had this huge cooker it was an old oil drum. I mean, like an in-ground oil drum thing, but it was right. a bigger than I had ever really seen before. And there was this big kind of skinned carcass on there, and it was yeah. a camel. And he actually put that whole camel in that cooker, and I don't know what he it was, 12 hours or 16 hours or something like that, and it came out. Now, I've eaten camel. I've been in the Middle East. I've eaten camel. Wasn't my fave. I'll just put it that way. But um, a yeah. little chewy. Uh, yeah, yeah, flavor wasn't that bad, but it was just a little chewy. And, um, Mm -hmm. and when I first looked at that, I thought, is he doing a whole elk or something or what in the hell is a buffalo? And then I read further and it was a camel and, and, uh, yeah, he had just like removed the legs and it was on this rack and everything else was skinned and you could see the hump and everything else. And he just he kept the hump on it. huh? He kept the hump on it and he put it right in there and he smoked it. And <laughs> I don't know how it turned out. I mean, it looked good from the pictures, but I was like that you got to have some real confidence in yourself and yeah. what you're I mean, doing. I mean, I'd love to try it. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, um, I just, I was so odd because it did look like maybe a, a buffalo or an elk or something just because of the way right. you couldn't really tell, but I wouldn't, all the work it takes to like hunt an elk and bring it down. First of all, you never bring them down whole like that if, you know, right. and, uh, secondly, I w I wouldn't smoke the whole elk because there's so many really good parts to it, but that's a different story that, right. um, right. you know, you'd want your steaks and things, but anyway, that was just kind of the one of the weirdest things I had seen as far as yeah. smoking like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, we, we haven't had anyone ask about camel before, but you never know. Hey, <laughs> Hey, you know, um, yeah, I was, whew, there's, you know, of course we still have wild camels, not too many of them, but around the Southwest desert and you go to mm-hmm. Australia, you know, there's a few of those still roaming around out there. So, uh, yeah, of course, when you get over in Africa and, and uh, you know, up in the desert areas there, Northern Africa and Middle East, there's camels there. So, yeah, they're they're eating they're them for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I don't know. I, I just. Uh, 
It just makes you scratch your head is the only thing I can right. say. Yeah. Hey, I'll try anything once, right? <laughs> yeah. I would think the toughest part of that would be monitoring monitoring the temperature and keeping it consistent on a on a cooker that big. And yeah. Uh, you know. I mean, that would be well, you just on an animal that big, you'd have such different I mean, the, the meats are going to cook at such different rates across the animal that I would right. think that would be You'd have to be very skilled to do it right. Yeah. Um, and that would let me out. I mean, I'm, I feel I'm fairly skilled at things, but doing something that big would be kind of weird. Anyway, um, yeah. John's going to stick around for the after hours, which you can hear on, uh, of course, the podcast version of this. But um, if somebody has a question for you directly on Amazing Ribs, can they get a hold of you? Yeah. Yeah. So they can, um, if they're a member of our forum, um, you know, they can, they can just look my name up in the search bar. Um, and they can, you know, send me a direct message, um, which is very easy to do. Um, or they can, they can always email me at, um, spinnaker at amazingribs.com. And, um, you know, I've got, I've always got my email with me and stuff like that. Sure. Um, you know, I always try to, I always try to get back to those as quickly as possible. And then, you know, we also have comments on all of our recipes and um, techniques and stuff like that on our main site, which is the free side of the site. Um, you know, you can, people can write questions in there and then either myself or um, a few of my other colleagues on there can jump in and, um, and answer those questions too. But I mean, if anyone has direct questions, I mean, your listeners are more than, more than, um, free to email me directly at spinnaker at amazingribs.com. John, thanks for being with us on this show and uh, look forward to talking to you in just a couple minutes on the after hour. Yeah. Thank you very much. JT. I really appreciate it. No worries. We'll be back with more barbecue nation after this. Barbecue nation is produced by JTSD LLC productions in association with Envision networks and Salem media group, all rights reserved.